So I want to see what your reaction is going to be to a, a single word. Just a single word. All right, you ready? Theology! Yay! I, I wasn't expecting that. That's great. <laughs> see, I mean, if you hear the word theology and you're already bored, you know, like if, if, that, if that's you, then my apologies for... Uh, well, on behalf of any of the other teachers or preachers or professors who have conditioned you into that kind of response, because hopefully I'm not another one of them this morning. Um, this morning, I do, I want to take us through some foundational theology about God that will help us all understand something incredibly profound. Our preaching series over the summer has been called Knowing God, and too often we think of that process as being stuck in a book, in school, in a seminary or something, or, or something that we just do with our mind. It's not. Knowing God is actually something that is intensely personal and is meant to be experienced through the pursuit of things that touch our five senses, our body, our mind, our emotions, our spirit, our whole self. And in the last couple of months, we've preached on what it means for us to know God as Father and to be part of His family and to pursue His presence passionately together. We've preached about knowing the mystery of God's will uh, and how Jesus is actually meant to be at the very center of God's plans, which means that Jesus is meant to be the very center of our lives as those who follow Him. Jesus is meant to be the one that we actually orient ourselves around, as he actually wraps himself around us. We just sang about that this morning, didn't we? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And the last two weeks, uh, we focused on how the Holy Spirit works in filling us and strengthening us and actually pointing us into Jesus. How this wonderful Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together and how their relationship in that actually affects us in how we know and experience God. And so today I have a part one and a part two. And in part one, I want to share this foundational truth about this relationship between the Heavenly Father and Jesus. It's a truth that is... I can't overemphasize. It is really important for us to know. And part two is, well, then how does this affect my life today? It's fine that we got this theology, this foundation, but what does that mean for me now? So let's focus this statement a little bit more. The statement of the truth that's in this message today, that the Father loves his Son. The Father loves His Son. Let's focus that a little bit more. Not only does the Father love His Son, the Father takes great pleasure and takes great delight in His Son. And we see that pleasure expressed very loudly by God in two key places in the New Testament. As the Father shares His heart with the people that are actually standing around Jesus at that time. And if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew 3. Matthew 3, uh, verses 16 and 17. Whether you've got a paper copy, whether you've got it on your device. But as Jesus comes up and out from under the water at his baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, 
It says in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it says, The heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then the second time that we hear God speak like this is on a mountaintop. You can go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 5. Jesus is on top of this mountain with a few of his disciples, and Jesus is literally transfigured, transformed before their very eyes. And they get to see a glimpse of his glory, his true identity, his full identity. And Jesus is there glowing with glory. They're enveloped by this thick cloud as God the Father speaks once again to reaffirm who Jesus is. This is what it says in verse 5. A voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I don't know what it would have been like to be there. I mean, I know the guys were trying to build tents. They were kind of, I don't know, what should we do? Let's, let, let's build a tent let's, so that everybody can kind of camp out here. They, they really didn't know what they were doing, what had just happened. They were awestruck. But if I had been there, I would have known beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. If you had been on that mountaintop as well. He was the very Son of God. But they also knew two other things. That the Father loved his Son. And the Father took great pleasure in his Son. And here's what pleasure means in the Father's heart, in in that context. It means to delight in, to cherish, to admire, to hold up like a prize, to enjoy, to relish. I mean, as a father myself, I can identify with a number of those ways of loving my own daughters. Uh, You know, although I'll be quick to point out, I do that very imperfectly. But this word relish, it's a strange one. It's not a word that we usually use in our modern English language, is it? In describing something more than what we put on a hot dog or a hamburger, right? Like, (laughs) that's relish, right? (laughs) But to help you understand the feeling behind what it means to relish something, think of a toddler sitting in a high chair on their first birthday. Their first birthday cake that cupcake or that slice of big cake that's set up in front of them, right? We've got two twins that are going to be a year old in just a a week or two. Uh, So we're going to probably experience something looking like this at our house, right? They don't even bother with the fork, right? They just dig their hands right into it and they enjoy the taste and the feel and the entire experience of having this cake. It becomes their whole world for that moment in time, right? And by the time they're done, you either need, you, well, you need to give them a bath for sure, and you need to take the pressure washer to the high chair just to get all the cake out of all the nooks and crannies. But they have obviously relished eating that cake. That sense of enjoyment and pleasure is one of the ways that the father loves his son. He absolutely enjoys everything about his son and loves being with him. 
But just so that we're all on the same page this morning, we also need to affirm something else really important. Jesus isn't just a human being that was a good person that God loved. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is also fully God. And just so there's no confusion about this truth, maybe you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. It'll come up on the, on the screen there. But Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, it says, Speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things. And in him all things actually hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. God didn't look around earth to find a human being to make his son to be his delight and love and to take pleasure in him. The son was already loved, already part of the Godhead, Jesus was sent to earth and became fully God and fully man at the same time. The incarnation is the theological word for that. Jesus is God himself. And that's why in verse 19 of what we just read says, For in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It's through Jesus that we actually see our Heavenly Father. It says He is the image of the invisible God. Here's a couple other verses. They won't come up on the screen though. Hebrews 1.3 Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Philippians 2.6 says Though He was in the form of God. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. So when the father looks at his son, what does he see and delight in? When he sees his son, he he delights, he loves his son. But what's he actually doing? Well, he's delighting in himself. What? (laughs) What? God delighting in himself. I mean, at first that sounds extremely conceited. I mean, I probably said it here before, but, you know, if if we look at ourselves in the mirror, if I looked at myself in the mirror and said, yeah, you're all that. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, there's nobody else. It's, it's you and me. You and me. We're, 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 we're the top, right? Everybody would think, what a self, you know, what a conceited kind of jerk, right? Like he's just all into himself, some nar- narcissistic kind of guy, right? Well, 
When God, the God of the universe does that to himself in a much more highly and exalted way, he's actually delighting in himself. He's the one being in the entire world, the only being in the entire world who can actually look at himself in this kind of a way, and all the statements are actually true. They're true. Otherwise, why on earth would you and I worship him? Why would we do it? If he wasn't perfection, if he wasn't worthy of all the praise that everybody says he's worthy of, why on earth would you and I worship him? (laughs) But let's look at this. Let's just tilt this a, a little bit of a different way and look at it from a slightly different perspective. Who are you and I meant to discover that will lead us to true peace and joy and satisfaction in all of our life. Who is that? Yeah, I hear it out there. It's right. The Sunday school answer is there. It's the right answer. Yeah. It's Jesus, right? Then who should Jesus be looking at to receive those same things? The Father. In essence, himself, right? He's the center. He's the source. He's the fountain of all things. For God to find any kind of satisfaction outside of himself means that he would actually cease to be the sovereign Lord and maker of all things. For him to be completely righteous and holy, he can only find complete satisfaction in himself, in the company of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to part two that we need to shift into. Why? We need to know why all of this mind-bending theology should actually matter to us. So if God is totally into himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, why then? Well, and I guess they'd be able to exist by themselves as one God together for all eternity and be totally complete, needing nothing else. Why on earth would we, as sinful human beings, ever be be given a second chance after we threw away our inheritance in the Garden of Eden? Why? Here is the answer. The infinite love the Father has for His Son is the very reason that makes it possible for sinners like you and me to be loved and accepted in Christ Jesus the Son. The infinite love the Father has for His Son is the very reason that you and I can be loved and accepted in Christ. But how? Well, here's the gospel, the good news in 30 seconds or less. The Bible reveals that God's plan is to reconcile a rebellious people back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, was crucified on a cross, died, was buried, and three days later, he rose from the grave, rose from the dead. I believe that the Bible says if we confess Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, as we repent of our sin the way that we've gone instead of God's way, we will actually receive forgiveness 
We will actually avoid the punishment of our sins in hell and enjoy eternity with God. And Jesus paved the way for our salvation. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. You don't need to wait another day if that's you here. That's the gospel in 30 seconds or less. When we receive that tremendous gift of salvation through a very simple prayer of faith, there's no magic words. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Would you wash me clean? Give me a brand new start. I want to follow after you. You get into the driver's seat of my life. I want to follow you. A simple prayer of faith like that. There are a number of things that happen to us instantaneously. But the one that I want to highlight today is that the Bible tells us that we are now hidden in Christ. Colossians 3.3 tells us that our old life, the life before we invited Jesus into our life, who gave us a brand new start, actually made us a new creation, that we've been raised with Jesus to this new life. It says that our life is now hidden with Christ in God. The Bible affirms that you and I have no righteousness of our own that would ever help us to be accepted by our Heavenly Father. We, got, we don't have the goods. We don't have it. However, we're told that when we receive Jesus into our lives, His perfect righteousness, the righteousness that actually paid for our sins, conquered sin and death, that same righteousness becomes ours. Hallelujah. I'll never get there on my own. I need Jesus. Without Jesus, we have no way to we have no way to live life other than to be out in the open and uncovered before God, exposed in our sin. But Christ, his righteousness actually hides us. He hides us in himself, like a, like a cloak being wrapped around us. We are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us his righteousness, and we're actually welcomed into God's family, and we are clothed with Christ, hidden in him. In reality, is even though we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, even if we did that five seconds ago or 20 years ago, you and I know that we all still sin. We all still screw up and do stuff. We do things that actually move us in the opposite direction of how the Lord's actually asked us to live. You know, we don't suddenly become perfect and we no longer do sinful things. Sin is... That same sin isn't just magically okay in God's books now that we're following him. So when our Heavenly Father looks at us in that kind of state, what does he see? What does he actually see? And let me pause here again to say that the answer to this question is one of the most vital truths that you will ever hold on to as a follower of Christ. The devil will try to make you forget it, and he will work overtime to make you stop believing it. 
because there is so much power and freedom that is released as you live out of this truth in your life. When the Heavenly Father looks at you, what does he see? I suppose I should, say, I should change that to say, who does he see? Do you know that he doesn't see you first? Hallelujah. <laughs> he sees his son Jesus first. He sees Jesus first. And now this is the point where you're so glad that I took the time to share with you how much the Father loves his Son. This is where part one and part two come together. The infinite love the Father has for his Son is the very reason that makes it possible for sinners like you and me even though we are saints in the kingdom of God, to be loved and to be accepted in Christ Jesus, the Son. The Father sees you and I through Jesus. You see, when the Father sees the Son, He is well pleased. Jesus turns to the Father. He turns back to His Dad. He says, These are the ones that you've given to me. And they're found in me through my death and resurrection. And the Father nods in acceptance. And the same infinite love the Father has for His Son, it flows from Christ through to us, to you. That's amazing. It's not something you have earned. He sees the holes in the hands, the holes in the feet, the hole in the side. He goes, I love you, my son. Welcome. And all those who are with you. It's not something that we have earned. It's positional. It's a gift that becomes ours. Meaning that no matter where you are, what you've done since, what you're doing right now, If you have accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, this gift has been given to you for eternity. It's yours. And for this, I actually need help from a couple of people up here. Hmm, who can I pick on this morning? There we go. Uh, Ryan, can I pick on you? Because you've got a beard. That'll just help, help me. I know Norm's got one, but yours is bigger. Yours, yours is one of the bigger ones. Oh, no. Oh, I, saw, I saw Terry too laugh. Yours is even bigger. So, You know what, Terry? Why don't you come up here? He's feeling too nervous. Come on up, Terry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then I need, then I need one, other, one other person. Someone, yeah. Actually, it's true. I do need somebody. Somebody that... <laughs> You know what? It doesn't matter. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go opposite of that. Jordan, I need you. Come on, stand behind, stand behind this guy. All right? So what I need you to do is I need you to... I'm going to stand here, and you face, you face me, and you get behind Terry. Like this? Yeah, but I don't need that to go away. Yeah. So just, just like that. Just like that. Actually, I'll bring this a little closer. There you go. So... I am not God. I am not the Father. 
but I'm going to illustrate myself in that position. You get to be Jesus, right? And you get to represent all of us, okay? Right? Yourself, but all of us. Just to help highlight this, okay? So when Jesus comes before the Father, the Father sees Jesus and goes, I love you, my son. Welcome. I love being with you. Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's be with each other. Whatever it is that the two of them do together. Um, and then as Jordan, as he's representing us, no matter where Jordan is in his life as a follower of Christ, here's the task that you have. No matter where I move, you be behind Terry. Okay? And then you kind of rotate around me, always looking at me. So no matter what's happening... So if I'm moving a little further away or whatever like that, you see what's happening? (laughs) The father is always looking at his son. He's not actually looking at us first. He's looking through Jesus to one of his other sons. Right? So... As we stand like this, when you want to talk to God, when Jordan wants to talk to God, did you know that as a follower of Christ, you can walk right into the throne room of God? Why? Because you are hidden in Christ. Without Jesus, you and I would be a vapor trail before we ever rang the doorbell of heaven. (laughs) We just couldn't make it. We never would. But with Christ, we can walk boldly into that throne room. That's how we live this out. This is why it's important, knowing God. When the devil comes, okay, I'm, yes, I'm still the father. Imagine me still here. The devil comes, and he points his accusing finger and says, you screwed up, you did this, you should be ashamed. You can never come back into that presence ever again. God doesn't want to be with you. You, need to, you should just curl up in a ball and, and go away, Right? See what you did? Right? God's never going to accept you ever again. You can say, well, you don't have to say it. Don't worry. You can just be silent there. It's not my righteousness that I use to approach the Father. I'm clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And that will never change. I may need to repent. I may need to receive forgiveness for my actions, the things that I've been doing. That's part of my responsibility before God. But I will never again need to worry about being separated from my Heavenly Father. Never. Because I am in Christ. I'm wrapped around, clothed with Him. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, yes, that is that feeling. When you feel convicted by doing something wrong, the Holy Spirit comes along and goes, like a little hotel bell. Bing! That feeling that happens and you go, oh. And you make a choice. Which way do I go? And you're feeling sheepish about approaching this throne of grace for the hundredth, the thousandth time. Struggling with the same issue that you've been struggling with for a long time. The Father sees you through Jesus. That's who he sees. He goes, I love you. And I love you with the same love that I love my son with. 
Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Give these guys a hand. Thank you. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves us, and we are hidden in Him. John 15.9 says, you don't have to turn there. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in me. Abide means to dwell, to make your home in, to dwell there. But it doesn't stop there, does it? That cycle is meant to spread to others who don't know that kind of love yet. Love from the Father to the Son to us. It's meant to flow from us to those around us. We're not just meant to be reservoirs. Others need to know this same kind of love. Their very lives depend on it. Are you going to keep it to yourself? Or will you actually point them to Jesus? Who can actually introduce them to the same Father that you know. And the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who we've talked about the last couple of weeks, is the actual change agent. The person of the Trinity who's dedicated to helping helping us live the life of wholeness that Christ actually purchased for us. And no matter how broken you feel, whether you resonated with that image of being all kind of curled up in that fetal position, in that bubble that Allison talked about this morning, no matter how distant you may feel from God, the Holy Spirit will be working to keep pointing you to Jesus. That's his job. So that you can know the love of the Son, but that you can know the love of the Father. You might be wounded. You may not know how to receive this or get your head around this kind of love. But for any of us, hear this, for any of us who follow Jesus, it doesn't change the fact that the Father and Son have made a way for you to experience it. The way is open. The way is open. Keep pursuing Jesus, even when his love seems to elude you. God wants to reveal himself to you and for you to be able to keep receiving this love. Never forget who you are as a child of God or how your heavenly Father sees you. He sees and loves you through his Son with an infinite, eternal love that will never fail. And you can always stand, you can always stand before the Lord with confidence as you are wonderfully and lovingly hidden in Christ. It's yours. Walk in it.